1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So, uh, Ali Mayorkas, in advance of uh, his impeachment hearing, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary... Venture down to Eagle Pass, Texas, on the heels of uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson and the GOP contingent that did last week. And uh, man, the things this guy says—really, um, boy—I don't know what is more enjoyable to watch: um, Mayorkas at this at a press conference, or to watch him give the same sort of uh, offer, the same sort of. Um, Um, otherworldly statements um, in uh, the context of a congressional hearing where there's a back and forth, where at least he gets pilloried by Republican members of the House and Senate. So um, he uh, responded by raising the allegation that has been lodged against uh, this administration, including Mayorkas, thus his targeting for impeachment. That. um, this uh, business that some people are contending that uh, the Department of Homeland Security is not enforcing the law? Ali Mayorkas doesn't know what you're talking about.
2: Some have accused DHS of not enforcing our nation's laws. This could not be further from the truth. Having begun my public service career as a federal prosecutor for 12 years, ultimately serving as the United States attorney... There is nothing I take more seriously than our responsibility to uphold the law. And the men and women of DHS are working around the clock to do so. We are doing everything we can within a broken system to incentivize non-citizens to use lawful pathways, to impose consequences on those who do not, and to reduce irregular migration.
0: Irregular migration. Hey, get some uh, Metamucil for that migration we've got at the southern border. Irregular (laughs) migration. That's a a fun new phrase. Thank you, Mr. Secretary.
3: Name of your junior high band, right?
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) that's correct. Backed up. Yeah, it was um, a culture club uh, cover (laughs) band. I used to kill with Karma Chameleon. (laughs) Uh, Mayorkas, yeah, Mayorkas doing everything he can. Okay, so you know, back off. Now that's the story that Mayorkas tells. There are other stories that people tell that differ from the secretary. For example, Brian Silvis. He's one of those Americans who lives right up against the southern border. Uh, Mr. Silvis is in the San Diego area. And, incredibly, CNN interviewed Mr. Silvis on his property to uh, uh, display what exactly is going on on a daily basis, which is um, irregular migration uh, right through Brian Silvis's property. So this is the original,
2: I guess, 19-something border. This right here. Uh Uh-huh. And and border patrol probably comes and does it. But look, I mean, <laughs> it's an open door. You could go right through there. They usually just walk through. They don't care if I'm there. They walk through and and ask me which way. I'm go that way. Keep going.
4: <laughs> but you can't tell them. You- no,
2: they told me I couldn't tell them to go back.
4: Can you tell them to get off your property?
2: Actually, they pretty basically told me no. I, really, I just gotta let them come they? through. The sheriff.
4: We reached out to the San Diego County Sheriff's Department for comment, and they told me they sympathize with residents like Silvas. But they say there are hundreds of people seeking asylum who have been asked to remain in place by Customs and Border Protection. And they point to a California law that since 2018 has largely prohibited state and local law enforcement from assisting in enforcement of federal immigration laws. The department also said citing individuals for trespassing could scatter asylum seekers across local communities and complicate CBP efforts. Just an hour after we left Silvis' property, a wildlife camera we had set up at the location captured another group of migrants, much larger than the last, entering the U.S.
0: Um, You know, that's basically uh, a government taking of that uh, gentleman's property. You they can't you. tell
3: him not to tell people to get off his property.
0: Well, I, they did.
3: Uh, yeah, they are. I mean.
0: That's what's happening at the border for, for actual Americans. Um, I guess Myercus is technically one, but sort of not the um, the uh, ruling caste. You know, the, the hoi polloi that live at the border, near the border, and have to deal with this, just as you've heard from ranchers in Eagle Pass and all along. Uh, eighteen hundred miles of southern border. That's what's actually happening, despite what America said. Something else too. This is priceless. This talking is about how clown. It, the record number of migrants they've turned away and that they've uh, oh, no. they've sent back to their home countries and so forth. This is what he was carrying on about at that press conference. Uh, twelve million. Twelve million encounters at the border under the big guy mr 10 Percent, president biden which is uh, more than the trump and obama years combined and and again the encounters does not include the gotaways that's a separate statistic that dhs doesn't like to talk about mayorkas doesn't like to address and that's estimated um last i talked to tom Homan, two million Bill Bill Malugan reporting for Fox News. Of course, he's been doing yeoman's work at the border and reporting on this issue. He uh, tweeted out yesterday as uh, Mayorkas was fielding softballs from the docile D.C. press corps. Per three Border Patrol sources who were in the room while meeting privately with agents in Eagle Pass, Texas, today, DHS Secretary Mayorkas admitted that the current release rate for migrants caught crossing the border illegally is above eighty five percent. It's above eighty five percent. That's what he says privately while he's preening before the cameras and telling you, uh, you know how how dare you question the uh, integrity and hard work and sacrifice of the men and women of. Uh, ICE and CBP and of course nobody's doing that he's hiding behind them like the coward that he is the sniveling coward that he is hiding behind them the good men and women I'm with them of of uh, border security right yeah you question us you're not with them and you're not with Brian Silvis and you're not with law-abiding Americans Mr. Former U.S. Attorney Privately admitting the current release rate for migrants caught crossing the border illegally is above 85 percent. And what was proposed by Greg Abbott? I mean, simple things you could do right away, like force people to queue up at ports of entry. You will not be allowed to apply for asylum if you do not come through a port of entry, designated port of entry. Has Mayorkas proposed that? Yeah. No. No,
3: that's not a big ask.
0: And and this doesn't even get into, you know, the other component parts that are included in H.R. 2, the measure that House Republicans passed in terms of policy changes. A Wall Street Journal is opining today about, oh, don't miss this opportunity to make progress on border security with this, you know, uh, holistic spend deal that uh the Biden administration is pushing the money for Ukraine money for Israel money for Taiwan money for the border um the Wall Street Journal uh, is dead wrong that is not the opportunity here the opportunity here is to continue to expose this fraud that the Biden administration is running that people at the border know and of course now that every state's become a border state because so many are sanctuary states and we've gotten a little assist from some uh, Southern governors, same deal. This is the opportunity to drive policy change, not make sure that the infield gets sprinkled with more monopoly money. Wall Street Journal editorial board is completely wrong in their assessment of this political slash policy opportunity to concede on the issue for some cash and a few more agents, well, is to concede the issue. Just to concede it. Forget about, oh, give the Biden administration a political win. That's not what I'm saying. It's to concede the policy issue of advancing substantive changes that will improve security at the border. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook
1: or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. We're talking about uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas. He, under uh, threat of impeachment at present, visiting Eagle Pass, Texas yesterday to tell fairy tales about what is happening under his watch and uh, the watch of the big guy, Mr. 10%, we find that uh, America needs Metamucil not remain in Mexico. That's according to Mayorkas, who says, oh, we, we got a little problem with irregular migration. Get a little but backup
3: on the
0: I-90. Yeah, it's nothing, uh, Nothing. Uh, a little bit more fiber in our diet. can't help. <laughs> so um, that's where it's at uh, with that Mayorkas. Now, um, the NBC News outfit, uh, you know, part of the Dem Com Shop, uh, had an interesting piece. Biden is asking for Mexican help to stop the record surge of migrants. Well, and the subhead, what? Biden needs Mexican help to fix a problem that's driving down his poll numbers. Well, that's the important thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He's going to
3: lose the election, I think, just on this
0: issue alone.
3: Well, now, combined with inflation, other things.
0: Well, here's the uh, here's what AMLO wants. Uh, who has who over a barrel here? You would think the United States would have Mexico over a barrel on this issue. Mm-mm. Yeah, they want you...
3: more than twenty billion dollars, Dan.
0: Twenty billion dollars to Latin America and Caribbean countries. Mm-hmm. Suspend the blockade of Cuba. Uh-oh. Remove all sanctions against Venezuela.
3: Oh uh, no, they've done it.
0: And here's the kicker. I'm ready. Grant at least 10 million Latinos living in the United States the right to remain and work legally.
3: So amnesty. Okay. 10 million. 10 million Hispanics who've worked in the U.S. for at least 10 years. That's so, their list of demands.
0: Right. And so, and so in exchange for that, I'm sorry, what is it that Oberdor is willing to do? What is Biden willing to do? He's not willing to make a policy change. I mean, he makes a remain in Mexico uh, policy change. And um, what's Obrador going to do about it? They're not coming in. But instead, Obrador must believe they're so ideologically committed to open borders that he can make this sort of demand in exchange for what? Slowing the caravans moving up through Mexico to the border. How about that deal? How about the stones on Lobras Lo Oberdor? Or maybe it's not stones. Maybe it's just a a proper reading of this federal government. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey pro line. And all, all these were the, the 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 same people, you know, covering this and. Biden needs help from AMLO, lagging poll numbers, so on and so forth. These people, be, oh, you know, Mexico is going to pay for the wall. Mexico didn't pay for the wall. Mexico really stuck it. to. Really? Is that what happened? Who, who is sticking it to America? Is it, is it AMLO? Is it Biden AMLO got one over on Trump. That's the story when it comes to border security. Paul Ryan may have gotten one over on Trump when it comes to border security, but AMLO didn't. And here we are under Joe Biden. I mean, I just I want to say this again. This is what the Mexican president is demanding in exchange for some ill-defined assistance he's willing to give if these demands are met. 20 billion and the blockade of Cuba, remove all sanctions against uh, uh, against Venezuela,
3: Venezuela.
0: Mm-hmm. and 10 million Hispanics living in the U.S. They stay and can work legally. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Work you're a, yep. basically, you're basically you're a U.S. citizen overnight because that's how you're going to be treated.
3: It's fascinating. Do you think he's wow. Biden's going to do it?
0: No chance. I mean, I, you know, the, it's, it's Eddie, funny because because I mean, the, the,
3: may negotiate it down to 10 billion and 5 million visas.
0: No, you know what? It, it, it's almost like um, he does it without formally announcing a deal. I'm just, you know, just uh, Maduro. Just trust me. We're not going to enforce the sanctions. You've seen what we've done with the mullahs in Tehran. We don't enforce the sanctions on them. Don't worry. We won't enforce the sanctions on you. Path to citizenship for ten million, or the right to remain and work legally. What's the difference between doing it formally and doing it informally? Which is what we've been doing under obviously this president, but we've been doing it for a long time. Um, twenty billion dollars. I mean, through all the money that we give to all these global organizations, uh, you know, you you can add it up and cobble together twenty billion. I don't, you know, enforcing a, a blockade of Cuba. Again, that's something that you can relax without making announcements. So, I mean, my my point is to say he can do all of this the way that he's done similar things, which is not seek not making a policy declaration, not uh, inking a particular deal, but just doing it quietly without fanfare. So he doesn't have to take the political heat for capitulating to Mexico the way he's capitulated to Iran, for example. Right.
3: Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey dot pro answer line. You could text us. It is up and running at six four six three six. Type in DA, then a quick comment.
0: Something else too, just on this uh, Amlo deal. Uh, Mary uh, Anastasia O'Grady had a good piece uh, in the journal. Is Amlo blackmailing Biden? Oh. Uh, and she um, offers this example. Um, Late uh, last year, Mayorkas and Blinken went down to talk to AMLO about, uh, hey, can you do your neighbor to the north a solid? A joint U.S.-Mexico communique was issued by the White House on December 28th. You know, they're, they're all about root causes. Called Democratic Decline, one of the root causes of heavy migration flows at the border between the two countries. Well, Mexico's version of that omitted the phrase, you know, democratic decline, meaning a small d democratic decline. Word has it that Mexico's foreign ministry threw a hissy fit when it saw the White House's assertion there's a connection between repression, think Caracas, Havana, Managua, and large waves of immigration. And so Mexico throws a hissy fit, as Mary uh, Anastasio Grady writes, and then the, the White House... Strikes the words. So the amended communique matched the Mexican version that did not blame uh, autocratic repressive regimes in Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua for the heightened irregular migration. Really interesting. Um, she writes, it would be nice to think this incident was but a small blip in an otherwise healthy relationship between two North American democracies. It was no such thing. Instead, it was the latest example of how the Biden administration bows to Mexican President Amlo on matters big and small. He has the upper hand with Biden because Mexico controls the migrant flow uh, from you know, its southern border with Guatemala to its northern border with the U.S., Biden needs Mexico's cooperation as he strives to preserve reckless U.S. immigration policy and still get reelected. Bingo. Nailed it. That's what's going on here. And AMLO knows it as well as we do. By the way, um, it's funny, too. This uh, clip resurfaced. Um, A uh, different Joe Biden once upon a time. Once upon a time, uh, the second time. Joe Biden ran for president in 2007. Here's what he had to say about the border.
4: No great nation can be in a position where they can't control their borders. It matters how you control your borders. Not just for immigration, but it matters for drugs, terror, a whole range of other things. So that's the first
0: sort of truism. Really? You don't say, big guy. 2007 Joe Biden. But as we've said, we've told you about Joe Biden from the outset. Well, actually, even before, you, this was known when Joe Biden first ran for office in eighty, first first ran for president, I should say, in 88. And then in 07. But everybody had to be reminded of it in the 2020 cycle. He's a company man. Wherever the party is that's where he'll be and where the party is open borders so that's where he is that 2007 joe biden is dead and buried jordan in forest park here in chicago's morning answer
2: you know if you really want to get uh, mexico's attention on this all you'd have to do is uh construct a uh, berlin military airlift scenario where these migrants come across the texas border they're put on uh uh, military planes and they're dropped off how about cancun how about the southern border of mexico and if you started doing that and then the mexican government said well you know we can't do that how about shutting off tur- tourism to mexico just blanket no more no more tourist flights you know maybe you can still keep the uh um you know the regular business sort of between the two countries shut that off and i be- believe me mexico will do something about the migrants
0: Well, I I don't disagree with you. Thanks for the call, Jordan. I mean, it's again, it's one of these discussions we have all the time. What should be done? What could be done? But the more important discussion is why won't it be done? We know it won't get done. Why won't it get done? Qui bono? Who benefits? Right?
3: Yeah, true. And I got to tell you, I'm watching CNN right now. Chinese becoming the fastest group crossing the border. That reporter, David Culver, that we featured earlier in the show, now he's doing a part about Chinese and how they're paying $20,000 per person and they don't have to make the dangerous check. They have a mule that takes them all the way to the border and then delivers their belongings later.
0: Yeah. Wow. Sponsored by the Chinese Communist Party, I'm sure in part.
3: 31000 in 2023 for Chinese nationals.
0: And we t- and talked about it men. we talked about it yesterday, military age men, number one, yep. number two. Um, the um, reform, the policy change, where there's policy changes being made, was to shorten the questionnaire oh, oh, for tricomM well, I shouldn't say they're all communists, but uh, for uh, Chinese migrants, to shorten the questionnaire from 40 questions to five because there's so many we need to process them faster. And, of course, you've got analysts on immigration policy at the Rand Corporation elsewhere saying, well, um, if you just ask – essentially, if you just ask for name, rank, and serial number, you're not going to necessarily have the information you need to make a qualified judgment on whether or not that uh, particular individual should be granted asylum. But, again, well, what what does that matter? They're coming in anyway. We're we're letting them in anyway, so why even go through the – the uh, formality of a forty-question survey.
3: This is nothing more. This is an invasion. And pro- Biden is going to lose the shirt off his back from this, which I hope he does.
0: Well, um, we're
3: never going to get our country back if we get this it's... up. I mean, three three hundred thousand in December, two hundred seventy thousand in November, and it's winter time. Can you imagine the summer's going to and the spring is going to be crazy.
0: Well, I guess it's a race against uh, the clock, and the Democrats, Socialists, this uh, Open Borders Party, is betting that they'll be first past the post. Let me give you an example. I mean, for those who think, "Oh, that um, the idea that uh, there's an effort to replace Americans with uh, non-Americans and so on and so forth," that's all racist and so on. So, oh, okay. Um, here's New York Congress Human Yvette Clark from Brooklyn.
6: I'm from Brooklyn, New York. We have a diaspora that, that can absorb a significant number of these migrants. And I, that I, you know, when I hear uh, colleagues talk about uh, you know the, the 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 doors of the inn being closed, um, no room in the end, I'm saying you know I, I need more people in my district, but just for redistricting purposes. And those members could could clearly uh, fit here.
3: Oh. Yvette,
6: Yvette, you're not supposed to say that out loud.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper.
1: Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer
5: Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Signature Bank.
1: This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. You know they should have got to host the Golden Globes instead of that uh, st- that stand-up comedian that they he uh, was, tapped?
3: He was awful. I, I, I'm a nerd, and I watch the Golden Globes, yes. And he was, I mean, he, he barely was on because they changed their format this year. But when he was on, it was just painful. Yeah. He made a Taylor Swift joke that was not funny at all and fell flat.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, so who should have actually hosted the Golden Globes is a funny, funny lady. She happens to host Face the Nation. She's Margaret Brennan. I, I got it. I mean, she had me in stitches over the weekend when she was interviewing House Speaker Mike Johnson. Take a listen and wait for the punchline. Okay,
3: I
7: will. I mean,
0: it's a zinger.
7: Back in uh, 2021, you were the lawmaker who circulated the the legal brief known as the Texas amicus brief, um, challenging the 2020 election outcome in a number of states. Which, by CBS editorial standards, makes you an election denier. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's great. CBS legal
7: standards.
0: CBS you, editorial standards. Yeah,
3: oh, sorry. You are an election denier. You have now been dubbed an election denier.
0: The exacting journalistic standards of CBS uh-huh. have demand that Mike Johnson be forever labeled an election denier. Great. All right. Now, let, let's, now that we got the funny out of the way, let's hear it again. Yeah. One more bite at it. And then uh, hear uh, what Speaker Johnson has to say in response. And uh, again, yeah, he did a great job containing his laughter
7: back in twenty twenty one. You were the lawmaker who circulated the, the legal brief known as the Texas amicus brief um, challenging the twenty twenty election outcome in a number of states which, by CBS editorial standards, makes you an election denier.
8: That's nonsense. Well, can
7: I get you on the record on that?
8: I've always been consistent on the record. Did you read the brief? Did you get a chance to read what we filed with the Supreme Court?
7: Well, I... You I have read extensively some criticisms of that, you, you but
8: read commentary about the brief, but not what we submitted to the court. But right. you recognize so that
7: I'm President on. Biden won the 2020 election. Can you just put president that aside? President
8: Biden as was issue? certified as the winner of the election. He took the oath of office. He's been the president for three years. What I, the argument that we presented to the court, which is our only avenue to do so, was that the Constitution was clearly violated in the 2020 election. It's Article 2, Section 1, and anyone can Google it and read it for themselves. The the system by mm-hmm. which you choose electors to elect the president of the United States uh, must be done by the individual states, and it, the system must be ratified by the state legislatures. That is language, plain so language, out still of the Constitution.
7: Have issues with Absolutely. the validity of the
8: 2020 election. The Constitution was violated in the run up to the 2020 election.
0: Um. Look, um, I don't need to read Article 2, Section 1. I've read extensive criticisms of Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution (laughs) as well. I mean, Margaret Brennan is comical. Uh, Mike Johnson was much more charitable with her than he should have been. And then the follow-up question, so you still have issues. Um, Margaret, see if you can follow this train of thought. I filed an amicus brief making an argument about the uh, unconstitutional activities that occurred in the 2020 election since that was not remedied i retain that belief that was memorialized in the filing i made is that what no i don't believe what i filed anymore how, how does that make any sense it's just so difficult margaret brennan is such a good example of why it is for more on this and uh other matters surrounding free and fair elections, Hans von Spakowski joins us, senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation, former FEC commissioner, former lawyer for the Department of Justice as well, and author of Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Hans, uh, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it.
9: Well, thanks for having me. And notice that she, the, what what came through, which was that she never actually read Yeah. The amicus brief. She never actually read the complaint.
0: I read the. Right. Wait, she read the talking points opposing what was uh, uh, advanced by Speaker Johnson in the state of Texas. She read the criticism of it so she could repeat the criticism of it. She doesn't have to read the underlying uh, filing and make her own judgment. She just needs the talking points to criticize it and call people election deniers who don't.
9: Right. And uh, that's so typical of the news media. Look, I've been dealing with reporters like her for a very long time now about election issues, especially election integrity issues. And they're not only ignorant of it, they don't want to hear the real story on so many of these issues because, as you say, they get talking points from the left and they just repeat them. I have run into that constantly.
0: Well, I mean, and and by the way, just uh, to um, uh, close the loop on this aspect of our discussion about free and fair elections, the um, argument that Mike Johnson was advancing where uh, he uh, had to explain a couple of times without getting into detail that the Constitution had been violated. And this was the argument that he advanced in the amicus brief. Can you just refresh our recollections to, you know, as part of the framing for twenty twenty four?
9: well what what he was arguing what texas was arguing was that uh, look the complaint that was filed by texas is one of the best i've ever seen written and they went through all the violations that occurred of election laws in in uh, a number of states i mean just to give you one example remember in pennsylvania absentee ballots by state law were due by the end of election day to and yet election officials there uh, in the executive branch just said, oh, you know what? We're just going to ignore that uh, state deadline and we'll continue to accept and count absentee ballots that come in after election day. I mean, that that's a clear violation uh, of the law and was a violation of the Constitution, which says, you have to set out the rules, of the election ahead of time, and you've got to stick to them. But that, that was just one of many examples.
3: Well, do you think we're going to have a fair and honest election in 2024?
9: Well, I will tell you that things are that we're in better shape in a lot of places. But look, I hate to tell you this, but depending on what state you're in, okay. um, many states, mostly red states, actually improved their election process over the last three years. Uh, yeah, they they passed big reform packages. Georgia, as you recall, was one of them. In fact, remember that the reform package in Georgia upset Joe Biden so much that he went down there and gave this big speech about how it was Jim Crow 2.0. And what was he complaining about? The fact that, for example, Georgia extended its voter ID law to cover absentee ballot, which, as you know, so many people use now. But look, the other states, not only haven't improved things, some states have made things worse. Nevada is a good example of that. California is a good example of that, unfortunately. Uh, so again, it's going to depend on where you are.
0: The um, as I'm looking at the election integrity scorecard uh, at the Heritage Foundation, you can get at their website heritage. dot org. Um, the only swing state I see that um, I guess would. Uh, be of concern based on the heritage foundation scoring is the one you just mentioned nevada with respect to swing states the others seem to be pretty solid or have improved significantly including and that this is worth mentioning since it was um you know the critical swing state uh georgia which is in the oh, top yeah. which is in the top five so i mean that you know this is the question you get and and we get too which is you know, but but even if he wins, even if Trump wins, can uh, will he really win? You know, what's going to happen? And and we always have the same conversation. Well, it varies, it's a state and local matter. So it varies state to state. But what we do see, and I think the Heritage Scorecard backs us up, is that the states that matter have made some improvements, although I think there's still a lot of concern about the state of Arizona because of Maricopa County, too.
9: Well, yeah, no, I think you summarized it. <laughs> you summarized it uh, better better than I can. And, um, uh, look, even in Pennsylvania, look, Pennsylvania, uh, they had a real problem there. The, the, the legislature kept passing reforms. The Democratic governor kept rejecting them. But you'll recall that, that one of the big factors in the 2020 uh, 20 election were zuckbucks, right, Uh Mark Zuckerberg, remember, gave $450 million uh, that was then granted to big urban city election offices like Philadelphia. And in essence, they used those government offices uh, to do get-out-the-vote campaigns for Democrats. Um, Pennsylvania, the one bill they got passed that the, that the governor finally signed was a ban on those kind of private donations by political partisans to local election offices uh, and that's that's a good thing
0: right and so you know is somebody uh, made note of this uh, the other day um Mayor, let's talk about maricopa county arizona for example just to use it as a case study um in argentina they counted 27 million paper ballots in six hours um in for, for their presidential election that mile won Um, In uh, Maricopa County, we have trouble getting results uh, within a week. So if you're uh, the Republican nominee or the chairman of the RNC, what do you do in a place like Maricopa County or Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, to um, ensure that there is ballot integrity and that if there are things that go awry, that you have uh, it well documented and ready to take to court post haste. I mean, you, where you actually have a team and a strategy, which isn't what we saw from Team Trump in 2020. What, what would you do is say in Maricopa County if you were directing traffic there?
9: Uh, you need to have your lawsuits prepared ahead of time, and you don't you don't file them after the election. You file them during the election. If, for example, your observers start calling you and saying, you know, uh, the voting machines in these precincts um, quit printing out ballots. As you'll recall, that happened. (laughs) That happened in the election there. Um, You have to be ready these days, unfortunately, and I hate to say this, to be in court immediately um, on Election Day and these days because so much happens before Election Day. There's so much early voting. You've got to be ready to go to court before Election Day when election officials aren't complying with the laws and regulations or when, for example, the voting equipment is malfunctioning, which, as you know, happened in Maricopa County. Right. So this means
0: you, you get into court in real time and you get an injunction to stop everything, yes. until right? Is this what you're saying?
9: Yeah, yes. And to, to fix problems. As they are occurring, you can't wait till after the election, which is the way things used to be done.
3: Let's mm-hmm. talk about what's happening here in Illinois. A group of a group, excuse me, of Illinois voters uh, filed paperwork to keep Trump off the ballot.
9: Yeah, no, I saw that. And I saw that the uh, state election board is going to assign an administrative officer to conduct a hearing on it. So imagine that <laughs> a bureaucrat. A state bureaucrat is going to decide uh, who should be the presidential candidates on the ballot in Illinois. I mean, the whole concept is just uh, it's not just crazy, but it is shocking that anyone would think that um, the state election board or a administrative hearing officer has the right to disenfranchise the millions of registered voters in the state and take away from them the right to make the choice of who they think should be the, the, the Republican candidate for president.
0: Do you have any doubt that uh, the Supreme Court, once it takes up the Colorado case next month, will um, will end this business that's occurring in Colorado and Maine and is being attempted in Illinois and elsewhere? Do you, do you have any uh, any doubt that they will... Uh, compel Colorado to keep tra- Trump's name on the ballot?
9: Well, one can never say anything with certainty, but I think it is highly, highly probable, um, based on the constitutional history of the 14th Amendment, that they are going to overturn what Colorado did, and that in itself will overturn what the main Secretary of State did and stop all of these other efforts, like the one going on in Illinois in their tracks, and that'll be the end of the effort to try to get Trump off the ballot.
3: What's taking so long? I mean, when do you think the Supreme Court is going to make their ruling?
9: Actually, they're acting very quickly. I mean, look, the Trump campaign filed its request for an appeal on January 3rd. Only two days later, January 5th, the Supreme Court issued an order saying, we're taking up the case. Uh, they gave each side about 10 days to file their brief, and they're holding uh, oral arguments on February 8th, le- right. uh, just mm-hmm. just about a month. That, but for the Supreme Court, that's acting very fast.
0: Yeah, they appreciate what's happening here and the sense of urgency. It's
3: impatient in the caucuses, you know, or next Monday. Uh, uh, Hans von spakov
0: uh, uh, Go ahead, Hans. I'm sorry.
3: Well, I was just going to say,
9: they, they know they have to move fast because all these elections are coming up very
10: quickly.
0: Hans von, Sp- Hans von Spakovsky, senior legal fellow for the Heritage Foundation, former FEC commissioner, former lawyer for DOJ, and author of the book, Our Broken Elections, How the Left Changed the Way You Vote. Hans, thanks as always. Appreciate it.
9: Sure. Thanks for having me.
3: Thank you. And he joined us on our Answer line.
1: Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560 The Answer mobile app. Just text the word APP to 64636 to download the app today.
0: Dan and Amy, uh, speaking about uh, the Golden Globes, uh, as suggested that uh, Face the Nation host Margaret Brennan would have been a better choice than than, uh, that stand-up comedian they had. Um, I didn't watch it, of course, because I don't watch self-congratulatory award shows. So bad. Uh, but I did catch uh, on uh, in the Twitterverse, uh, Jim Gaffigan, an actual stand-up comedian. And uh, what he had to say, I thought this was, uh, you know, almost Ricky Gervais quality here from Jim Gaffigan. You didn't expect this coming from him. Uh, I thought time too. you thought you'd uh, maybe get a Hot Pockets joke or something. But no, Uh uh-uh. the Golden Globes.
11: I mean, I. I can't even believe I'm in the entertainment industry. I can't. You know, it's so unlikely. I'm from a small town in Indiana. I'm not a pedophile.
0: (laughs) You know? I just... He stuck
3: it to him because they had the category for best comedian. Uh,
0: That was a little bit of uh, nervous applause in that audience. Golly, I wonder why. Before you see it on TV... Share it on Facebook or
1: read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM 560. The answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM 560.
0: The answer. Top of the morning, uh, Dan and Amy. Michelle Obama hot uh, she uh, sat down for a podcast interview with Jay Shetty, who was um, life coach and a founder of his uh, tea company that I guess has been rather successful. He wrote a book called uh, the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur so maybe uh, Michelle Obama needs a little little direction a little little life coaching anyway. the conversation turned to um, you know, sort of the prosaic, what keeps you up at night questions. Uh, and uh, this is what Michelle Obama said keeps her up at night, probably saying this right after hearing uh, the big guy at uh, Emmanuel AmE Church in Charleston talking about uh, Trump and his, his voters. But anyway, here's Michelle.
6: What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit. It affects us in ways that I, sometimes I think people take for granted. You know, the fact that people think that government, eh, you know, does it really even do anything. And I'm like, oh, my God, does government do everything for us? And we cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, f- I worry that we do. Those are the things Mm. that keep me up.
0: (laughs) By the way, um, this uh, podcast interview and that that clip that's making the rounds. No, Jesse Waters. Just stay in your bro lane with your, you know, stay, stay doing your bits where you have uh, uh, tarot card readers and clairvoyants come on the show. Goof. Um, it, I don't understand. Talking. I don't understand the popularity. This is not Michelle Obama waiting in the wings. This I is know. not Michelle. This is not Michelle Obama positioning herself to replace Joe Biden. Just, just control yourselves. Well, people have been people-
3: saying that. Even somebody on this show in our family said, "Oh, she's going to run for Senate in California." No, she's not. She can't stand the White House. She can't stand politics.
0: So anyway, I just this. this so if we could just, you know train our attention for a second um all these uh, cookie trays out there anyway um so that's what terrifies michelle obama i did love the reference to government does everything for us such an interesting um juxtaposition in one breath government does everything for us in the next breath we need to protect our democracy Government by for and of. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, again, these are frightening times. Uh, And Joe Biden was telling ghost stories at uh, that church in Charleston where that uh, horrific massacre occurred several years back. Yeah.
3: 2015. It's now 2024. And nine black parishioners were killed by a white supremacist. So he goes there and talks about Trump to try and associate Trump with white supremacy. Well, we know what you're doing, Biden.
0: Well, actually, he spent a lot of time not even bothering with that tired old connection. It's uh, it was largely a rinse and repeat from Friday at Valley Forge. It was J6. J6, J6, the J6, J6 mob. And listen very closely, because, again, it's not Trump. It's Trump and you, the Trump voter. You're a scapegoat, too. We saw something on January
4: 6th we'd never seen before, even during the Civil War. Insurrectionists waving Confederate flags inside the halls of Congress built by enslaved Americans. A mob attacked and called black officers, black veterans, defending the nation those vile of racist names. And yet, an extreme movement of America, the MAGA Republicans, led by a defeated president, is trying to steal history now. They tried to steal an election, now they're trying to steal history, telling us that violent mob was, and I quote, a peaceful protest. That that insurrection, those insurrections were, these are his words, patriots. That there was, quote, a lot of love that day. In fact, the rest of the nation and the world saw a lot of hate and violence for hours. The defeated former president sat in the private dining room off at of of the Oval Office and did nothing, nothing, no, absolutely nothing. His actions were among the worst derelictions of duty by any president in American history. And attempt.
3: Well, he, he did not do nothing. He did tweet out, you know, go home. It's over. Please go home. But then Twitter took that down.
0: Well, it's good that uh, Joe Biden was in Charleston. It's I mean, it's it's appropriate. I should say, uh, and uh, invoking the Civil War, since that's where it started, you know, there at Fort Sumter, and um,
3: wasn't he there for it
0: too? Yeah, right. And um, it seems like uh, he's angling to start another one. Yeah, all the the talk of unity has dissipated. Have you noticed?
3: Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line. You could also. Reach us on our hot text line at 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. And that J6
0: mob, you know, you fold in, you start with J6, and then you fold everything into it. That J6 mob, those insurrectionists, well, then after January 6th, after they laid siege on the Capitol and almost toppled our democracy, well, then they went on to do other horrific things. And there but for the grace of Biden, they might have done more damage than they did.
4: The lies that led to January 6th are part of a broader attack on the truth of America today that we all have seen before. The same movement that throughout the mob, the United States capital isn't just trying to rewrite history January 6th. They're trying to determine to erase history and your future, banning books. Denying your right to vote and have it counted. Destroying diversity, equality, inclusion all across America. Harboring hate and replacing hope with anger and resentment and dangerous view of America. It's,
3: it's uh, being denied the, the right to vote?
0: It's diver- like, right, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, please uh, use the proper nomenclature there, Mr. President. Not equality. Uh, yeah, no, but. Why not? Well, why, why not say that there are uh, there's a MAGA mob, there's a J6 mob of MAGA extremists who are depriving people of the right to vote? Oh, why not say it? It's kitchen sink time. Ron, Southside. Hey, Dan and Amy.
11: You, first of all, I, I do not care what keeps Michelle Obama up at night. But she talked about what government does for you.
8: I'm gonna Everything. be more
11: specific.
12: Everything. Yeah, yeah,
11: like, like, yeah, like when her husband eliminated the DC Opportunity Scholarship Poor, I mean, a program that assisted uh, people that needed help. Not unlike, and I'm gonna be specific. Not, not government. The Democrat Party, like they did when they eliminated the Invest in Kids program. Is that what she's talking about, what government does? O- okay, so you know what? I don't need to hear
0: anything else from her. Okay, you all have a good day. Thanks for the call, Ron. Government does everything for us. Yeah, that's a Where would declarative we be?
3: statement there from her. Where, Where would, would we, we be, be
0: without uh, the government doing all the things the government does and does so well? All the things the government does that we can't do For ourselves through private action. Mm
6: -hmm.
0: Yeah, really interesting um, slip of uh, the underlying philosophy of the Michelle Obamas of the world. I've had a couple of slips lately. We had that uh, Congress human from Brooklyn who talked about migrants uh, needing migrants in her district for redistricting redistricting purposes, and Michelle Obama. One uh, the government as the omnipotent and omniscient force for good in the West, you know how you protect our democracy, grow the government
10: hmm
0: interesting. David and in Winneka
10: Hey, good morning guys um, okay, and before you pound me in the political dirt, let me just get the song out Um if, if you think about it this way so our heads were all reeling when when kamala got into office and they still are so with michelle uh, I, I believe this whole thing was perpetrated just you know to get her in there like she doesn't want to be in the hot seat she can't handle that but if you're following you know somebody like kamala my god you know who's not going to want to jump on that bandwagon simply to try to stop you know the good being trump Oh, you it.
0: think you think you think not only Mich- will Michelle run for office, she'll take a VP slot with Biden? Is no, that what you're saying? I think
10: she will run. I think she will run for president.
0: No. Uh, I see. No. So she's going to run for president, uh, but she will never be in the hot seat. Um, do you know how the presidency works?
10: You know, I, I, and that's why I said before you call me the political. Well, deal. I'm <laughs> just saying, I mean, come on, so, think so think this so, through. So, so,
0: so, you, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, that I think, this. first of all, part of the exasperation is you have to deal with, I mean, you know, I don't have to, but I choose to. You know, you listen to people that, uh, unfortunately, millions of people listen to for some reason. That, you know, mystifies me, and there's so many examples of that. And I mentioned Jesse Waters because he's the one propping up this uh, uh shibboleth about uh, Michelle Obama. Every time she does an interview, she's waiting in the wings. She's about to pounce. Um, we've been doing this since 2016. I, it's tiresome. And so, I mean, I, I, I've been saying it since, well, actually since uh, when Barack Obama first ran, who I knew a little bit when he was in the state Senate, and so I knew a little bit about the dynamic of their relationship. Um, and um, I've been saying, so I've been saying for the better part of, I don't know, 15 years, Michelle Obama has no interest in elective office. Just 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 try just to wire that into your brain. But instead people because people so so instead people like just they just like to play fantasy politics because it's easier to talk about um, things that keep um, that would keep you up at night like Michelle Obama in the Oval Office than it is about what sort of what the actual dynamics are and, on the and, landscape.
10: And you're and you're million, million percent right. But what was different then? the world? The last three years it has gone to hell. That's Michelle that. Obama. That's
0: Michelle that. Obama is not different. And no, I, say I, I something?
10: agree, but who's not going to vote for her if they throw her in there? If they just throw her up there? She's not
3: the going to do it. Vote. She's not going to do it. I, I don't know how many, if you guys would listen, I mean, have for you first, ever heard her be interviewed? Uh, like, there was one time she was interviewed at the White House. She goes, I want to run out that door. Like She was on the verge of, a verge of a nervous breakdown. Amy, She's like, I want to run point? out and leave.
0: For, first of so all, get Amy, ice you, cream. And not, and Amy, not to you, mention, Amy, but by the way, David, Um, by 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 the way, oh, oh, David, well, um, the, I, I, the Part of this whole conversation, which has been going on for the better part of, I don't know, since Joe Biden got elected, that I've we've addressed <laughs> innumerable times. The they, they're going to make Joe Biden step down. How is the they doing? Who are the they? I don't know. Oh, the Obamas. Obama. Uh, the Obama surrogates like Susan Rice or Valerie Jarrett's going to come in and say, uh, Joe and Jill, you have to leave. I don't think so that that's not how this works and what are the incentives that the biden family have to stay all of them especially with the legal scrutiny they're under now so i mean just the whole thing is just again it's fun to you know it's like fantasy sports it's fun to talk about what if uh, pat mahomes was the bears quarterback well you think they'd be a playoff team so i mean you can play out all these scenarios it's not going to happen but it's fun but Dan, to talk thing, about
10: one, thing, one one thing one one last little point here what you speak of is logic, intelligence, uh, uh, knowing—I mean, all of it. The other side is just all basic emotion. And so when Michelle sets it up, like, "Hey, you know, even though I hate this," point, even though I hate politics, and I don't want to do it. I, as a person that cares about politics the most, had to come in, and da da da, and that way she gets the hot seat away. Everybody just says, "Oh my god!" No, it for the country. She's, yeah.
0: she's, she she doesn't. Thanks for the call, David. She she is a show pony. She comes in to draw attention, to sell books when she's about to do a tour or whatever to stay relevant. So that the the $50 million Netflix uh, contract and the Martha's Vineyard spread and the place in Hawaii and hanging out with celebrities and living the life as a, uh, you know, the closest thing that we have to uh, monarchs in this country. Short of uh, the tech billionaires, that—that's what she wants. Oh, this like oh, save the country. Fish I'm going to do this. And, and the the idea, n- nobody gets a pass running, much less being president of the United States. By the way, too, and Michelle Obama is smart enough to know that. I and mean, come on, uh, Robert Bloomingdale.
10: Oh,
11: uh, Michelle Obama. Who cares what he has to say? As far as I'm concerned, Trump. Ohio. When he's elected the president again, get those poor souls pardoned on January 6th. And the only reason Biden's on attack, attack, attack is because he's going to lose and he knows it. That's my opinion. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Robert. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning
1: Answer on AM 560. The answer.
0: That's on me. It's time for another installment of in depth history. With Frank from Arlington Heights, because there's nothing new in this world. It's just the history we don't know. Take it away, Frank. Good
13: morning. The Pax Britannica gave order to the world from 1815 to 1914, 99 years without a major war. One aspect of British power at the time was its control of key choke points, including Singapore, Suez, Gibraltar, and the Straits of Hormuz. From these, the British could control world trade and enhance the value of the pound sterling. But by 1914, the United States was moving from isolation to engagement. We had now dominated North America, and it started to move outward in the Spanish-American War in 1899. Teddy Roosevelt's big stick diplomacy and William Howard Taft's dollar diplomacy were indicative of this. Now, indeed, we fought the central powers in World War I and the Axis powers in World War II. But strategically, we also seized the mantle of world leadership from Britain in 1945 and gained the exorbitant privilege of having the dollar now be the world's currency. The Pax Americana had replaced the Pax Britannica. Recently, Iranian Houthi-backed rebels have been attempting to disrupt this paradigm with their missile and drone attacks in the Red Sea. I don't think they'll amount to much. American power is so vast and our technology so superior that any success is like the proverbial mosquito biting an elephant. A clear sign of American strength, is how ferocious our presidential race has been in recent decades. The person who wins that office is effectively an American Caesar. We truly have become an empire. Are we still a republic? William Jennings Bryan would probably have a lot to say about this, I'm sure.
0: Hmm, Thought-provoking, as always. I'm not not sure we're an empire. That's a worthy discussion uh, as well. But I'm more hung up just because we're talking about Michelle Obama, uh, thinking about Teddy Roosevelt's big stick diplomacy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up, Thanks so much, Frank, as always, uh, thought provoking. We're going to have to have a, like a discussion, a deep discussion roundtable, uh, jumping off of one of Frank's uh, history minutes one of these uh, times, because this is a good one. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here
1: first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. On AM 560, the answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson. On AM 560, the
0: answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. So we have the uh, Iowa caucus on Monday. But, of course, we still have fallout from that uh, terrible school shooting in Perry, Iowa, in which a sixth grader was murdered and seven others were injured. Here's some of the headlines in the last few days. I was waiting to see the coverage as it develops after something like that, since we've had to deal with so many of these mass shootings in public places and obviously particularly schools. AP News, two days ago. 11 year old killed in Iowa school shooting was a joyful, bone, uh, joyful boy known as Smiley, his mom says. NBC, yesterday. Iowa school shooter appeared to use Discord moments before attack. Discord? Yeah, we'll get to that. Okay. So no, no, no. It's, a, it's a social media site. Okay. Oh. Uh, PBS, students rally at the Iowa Capitol days after Perry school shooting.
3: Yeah, they had a walkout.
0: Um. Uh, Guardian, other outlets, of course, uh, over the weekend made a big deal of Trump tells Iowans to get over school shooting a campaign event. Um, I know the phrase taken out of context is overused. It's often used when you're not taking somebody out of context. They're just using that as a cover to try to get out from underneath something they said. But um, but that characterization of what Trump said at the campaign event is actually taken out of context and it. Fails to include what preceded the, the whole thing about this being a terrible event. You need to come together as a community that those, those sort of, you know, anodyne statements. But what else can you say when something like this happened? And that you, you get over it meant sort of moving on, coming together and moving on together is the way that he was trying to convey that, even though that particular phrase was inartful, something that is not new for Trump. But the characterization that he was dismissive of it is totally unfair. But that's what you expect from the DC. press corps, and so you're getting it. Huh? Okay, so that's some of the so some of the high uh, headlines, the focus of the press corps. You know what I'm not saying a lot of coverage of? what The uh, fact that the uh, shooter uh, on his social media posts pointed to an interest in the LGBT movement identified as gender fluid used uh, he they pronouns this was a dude um, also now getting to the discord thing so he's, he's all in this uh, you know gender fluidity gender identity space uh, he posted a video on tiktok from an account in the minutes leading up to the shooting a uh, discord account has a similar name appears to also belong to him and um he was posting uh things like um, I'm prepared for what happens next, but I'm very nervous about it. Uh-huh. By the way, this Discord uh portal had been previously used by mass shooters, including the Buffalo mass shooter, that Buffalo market.
3: Why haven't they shut it down?
0: Um shut the site shut the yeah, shut portal the down well, why I mean,
3: if mass shooters are using it and it's encouraging other mass shootings then what the heck's going on or who's mining the store
0: yeah well i think law enforcement being uh, tipped off and this have some of these statements uh, being concerning and having been flagged and what law enforcement did or didn't do about it that's the issue not shutting down every social media site where somebody says something untoward. In point of fact, the fact that they do post, some of these people that uh, mean to do others harm do post about it to give advance warning is a good thing because hopefully somebody does see it and you do get law enforcement involved and it's prevented. Um, the, um, uh, the, the stuff that was reported to the FBI which the FBI failed to follow up on. And I understand this is I don't want to be too unfair to the FBI here, like the the amount of information flow about social media postings and and so on and so forth that they get from around the country. And yeah, but um, there's been a lot of instances where law enforcement has. Um, well, not been as competent as it could have been with respect to information that preceded a horrific uh, mass murder. Uh, The user was part of a chat room dedicated to discussing school shootings called School Massacres Discussion. A Discord user saw the user in the chat, told uh, NBC News, the Discord user said they had flagged the chat room to the FBI in November, after which an FBI agent reached out over email and asked for more information. The user emailed the FBI agent screenshots of the server, did not hear back, The chat room was closed before the shootings. And again, Discord has a zero tolerance policy against glorified content that glorifies violence, violent extremism. They have community guidelines just like every other social media site and so on and so forth. Um, But the um, LGBTQ piece. Um, The possibility that maybe. And I don't know. I'm just raising this issue. Think about how the reporting is when it's LGBTQ. Two S plus 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 plus. Think of the unusual circumstances to try to to prevent the release of the shooter's manifesto in Nashville the other instances of LGBTQ plus, plus, plus mass shooters.
3: Yeah, the Aberdeen shooter was identified as trans. The Nashville shooter identified as trans. Why can't they say it?
0: What's the big deal? There's been uh, at least a half a dozen over the last couple of years. And the point is not to say that that means at all. Of course not. That's what the media does when it's somebody who, you know, has anything related to conservatism or Trump or Uh, any Republican politician. Then it's, uh, uh, you know, white nationalism, mass shooters. This is an epidemic, uh, the greatest threat to our democracy, so on and so forth. But we don't do that in reverse because we're adults and we recognize that it's a small infinitesimal fraction of any particular demographic who engages in these acts of evil. So to say it's this exact profile then you have to explain, well, why do people with a very similar profile, very similar politics, let's say, for example, um, not commit, commit mass shootings, not commit acts of violence? It's hard to explain, which is why this, these sorts of things are hard to stop, except to the extent that you get information ahead of time and uh, you can scramble the appropriate response to prevent it. Very difficult, which is why you have to give law enforcement some you know, latitude here in terms of culpability. Not always, but generally speaking, I'm saying. But, you know, what? what, what is the attitude um, in terms of tiptoeing around somebody who is politically sensitive, somebody that has become uh, a, a part of a cohort that is uh, glorified by the culture as opposed to somebody who isn't? Um. Nobody kicks up much dust if the FBI targets Catholics attending a Latin mass. But if there's any sort of sense that somebody in uh, one of these protected, invented protected classes is being hassled by law enforcement, it's a much different situation, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I just and I and because of what we know about. The identitarian culture that has taken hold, not just writ large, but also within law enforcement. You don't think law enforcement, perhaps, is more reticent to engage, depending on the subject, as opposed to more excited to engage, depending on the subject.
3: Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line six four six three six. Type in DA, then a quick comment. One, one point. With the Nashville shooter, I felt like they cared more about protecting the shooter in death than they did about the victims, family members who were killed. And also, too, if these people were MAGA or Trump supporters and they had that on their social media profiles, the mainstream media would blow this out of the water. Oh, there's no question. And they would try to take down Trump in 2024 using those shooters' profiles as an example.
0: Every Trump voter is a mass shooter, just like every Trump voter is an insurrectionist right if, if if there was a you know a mass shooter who was uh decked out in maga gear or something i mean they've tried to shoehorn trump into these mass shootings uh, by these uh by some of the mass shootings where there's been some sort of insinuation or connection although it's even even when it's you know pop completely uh, confused and uh, you can't make heads or tails of it. Uh, they're all ac- are all over the place in terms of their politics and so on and so forth. But they still they still try to. But that's not the case with these. You know, we don't You, you get the coverage. you are not talking about that. They're not talking about they're talking about discord because it's a law enforcement issue. Somebody tipped off the FBI, FBI followed up, and then maybe they dropped the ball. We don't really know. But that's sort of the uh, implication. But, but there's no talk about this guy's gender identity politics. None at all.
3: Got a text message, Dan and Amy. what is the commonality between LGBTQ and mass shooters? Both are crying out for attention.
0: Well, yeah, but, but again, this is the a sort of, you know, all poodles are dogs, but not all dogs are poodles. Right. Yeah. But there's a lot of people crying out for attention that don't engage in violence. Jordan in Antioch.
11: Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. Um, so another shooting by a person who's just looking to be loved and just looking for love and identity and support. When are we going to start finding out what is happening in these counseling groups that parents aren't allowed in? Uh, what? Are we, when are we gonna find out? Like, when are we gonna have a project Veritas that shows, goes into these groups to find out who's radicalizing these kids, who's funding these kids, who's putting this crap in their heads? Um, obviously, you already have a group of that's supporting people who are in a in a bad place in their mind, and they're not getting the right help. They're getting encouragement. They're getting enabling, and 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 they're pushed to this stuff by somebody. I. I still stand on the fact that even though they are confused about their gender, whatever, their identity, we are still no, we still know right from wrong, and you know what you're doing is wrong. And who is telling these people to do this? Who's pushing them? Who's pulling the strings? And it, it, I've, I've said this forever and ever and ever, and I would really like to find somebody that will go into one of these groups, and, and have the stones to get undercover and find out what these teachers, what these doctors, what these social workers, what these, these string pullers are putting in these poor people's heads. The most vulnerable people that they can come across, the ultimate cry for help has been replaced with transgender. When these people, that texture's right, that is a cry for attention. But it's only been pushed by the people that they've gone to try to help with their problems already. And when are we going to find out who is doing this to them and hold their feet to the fire? Well,
0: thanks for the culture. I mean, who is doing this? I mean, a sense of encouraging them to commit acts of violence or encouraging them to uh, immerse themselves in gender identity politics. You know, because, again, um, even though I disagree with it, uh, those who are gender identity identitarians... Again, uh, it is a small, small fraction that engage in acts of violence. So there's something else going on, and it's so case-specific. That's why it's so confounding and frustrating, because for every uh, piece of evidence you point to, every part of somebody's profile, you can point to, again, similar context, evidence, evidence, profile features of people that uh, don't do harm to others. You know, the the existence of evil in the world, the nature of our permissive culture, a culture that promotes, uh, you know, unrestrained pursuit of pleasure. And uh, maybe it just turns out that some people are... Uh, much closer to the edge than other people so it's unproductive it's an unproductive culture it's a depraved culture really um but some people can um handle and even engage in the depravity without uh, doing harm to others and um for some others it puts people over the edge i mean it's the same thing to some extent we talked about in terms of um in terms of uh how isolation impacts young people. It's uh not healthy across the board, but in some cases where people are closer to the edge it drives them over. But for a lot of people it in mean, most people it doesn't. But it's still something to deal with. And it's just so case specific. It's a real challenge. And so I hesitate to make, you know, blanket statements in terms of recommendations for this is it or this is what we must do because there's just nothing that i've heard that contemplates all the variables in play greg schomberg
2: okay I'll, I'll put one on the table then what comp what includes everything when you remove god from the equation of your public discussions you remove this the ultimate determination of what is
3: good and evil, or at least some some notion of what good and evil is, and when you um, legally preclude that from being involved in the public discussion in any way, you have Satan having a complete open door to kids' minds, and all of the sundry, you know, causal reasons that you're dealing with, right, then, if Satan gets a hold on any given one of them, he's going to drive it through to its maximum import. Thanks.
0: Thanks for the call, Greg. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but but there were people who chose evil and committed horrific acts of violence against others when this was a much more God-fearing country than it is today. So, I mean, I agree. I, you know, the, the 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 premise of what Greg said, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with. But it just still can't give you the uh, all-encompassing answer that we're seeking. I'm afraid. Uh, Jeff in Cal City.
11: Good morning, Dan and Amy. I just wanted to say that this sort of stuff that's been going on, especially with the reporting around it, just makes me feel very apathetic. And I know that sounds so impersonal, but the reporting is so unfair. Whether the reporters, the reporting, they don't want to get down to what's really going on with these people. What's really happening? It's just everything has a political spin and bias that I just don't care anymore. I mean, and yeah. unfortunately, yeah. unless it happens directly to someone I know or someone that is very touching to me, I don't care anymore. I just don't care, and that's what the politicalization of these. mass shootings is
0: doing I don't care it desensitizes you man it's interesting thanks for the call Jeff no I mean you're right even the coverage of that uh, six-year-old kid who was who was murdered you know it's all for the sake of sentimentality it's not for the sake of trying to do what what we're trying to do here which is you know kick it around and try to have a thoughtful conversation and and look at it from different angles Uh, really talk about it this think and talk this is just about uh, the coverage is just about getting you to feel or not feel to Jeff and Cal City's point or not feel at all. Feel animus towards uh, somebody they want, somebody that they don't like. Um, feel um, uh, you know, that that uh, uh, sense of 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 empathy, but without particular point or thinking um, to make yourself feel better. Like I'm a good person because I feel bad about what happened in Perry, Iowa most recently Uh, and what happened of course with the murder of that sixth grader and the injuries uh, that were committed against those others who were injured um but okay so but so so but rather than just sort of like empty empathy feeling so i can pat myself on the back so it's like so yes we all come from the anybody who you know believes in living in a free and peaceful society is coming from the same place so we don't have to spend a lot of time trying to out empathize one another now let's take what happened and let's Think about it. Really think about it and talk about it. But that's not what the press corps wants you to do. Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer.
1: You're listening to Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Prof and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The
0: Answer. Insert Democrat Socialist here. Runs the
3: Democratic House Law for 30-plus years running. He's promising this and he's stealing that. Where can you get that kind of money? He's using your house like his own piggy bank, gang, 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 gang. You ought to know by now. You can pay off your house here in Illinois, but you can never keep up with the taxes.
0: Oh, how oh, it's all where he's been the plan to have a taxpayer pay, no doubt. Not a matter of if anymore, but when.
6: Out.
0: I said, when you're moving out, Top of the morning, Dan and Amy, that theme music means it's time for our weekly confab with Ted Dobrowski, President of WirePoints org, all things Illinois policy related. Uh, before we get to Ted, um yeah, you know, those food deserts that uh, mayors like BLM Brandon and Triple threat before him, complain about the lack of investment in the West and South Sides, and for that's example. Why
3: we're going to have a government run grocery store.
0: Uh, what exactly. Are we, what are we going to call it again, Dan? Gimme Dad. Gimme Dad. Gimme Dad grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Still waiting for that to come online.
0: Yeah. Um, Beal and Brandon may find out that running his Gimme Dad grocery store in places that have been turned over to criminals to prey on the law abiding is uh, more difficult than he might think. Give an example. This is out of California, it's out of L.A., Compton to be specific. But, of course, it has application to every other big city in the country with mayors like BLM Brandon and prosecutors like Kim Fox. L.A.'s got those. Compton. Ruben Ramirez, Ruben Ramirez Jr. is the proprietor of Ruben's Bakery, which was started by Ruben Ramirez Sr., his father. And you may have seen this one because of just the mass number of individuals that engaged in looting when they did one of those back the car through the front window smash and everybody run in and take everything you can do. You take everything you can get your hands on.
3: Yeah, like what they tried to do at the Prada store yesterday and a cop got shot.
0: Exactly right. A hundred so estimated 100 people uh, uh, SUV smashes the front window of the bakery. And this is in Compton, tough neighborhood, as everyone knows, yeah. straight out of Compton, NWA. Um, sma- 100 people. And this, of course, is all caught on security camera. Here's uh, Ruben Ramirez talking about it, the $70,000 in damage that was done to his business.
7: The same folks involved in that street takeover, well, they took over Rubens, not only stealing everything they could carry, but what they couldn't carry, they basically destroyed. It had to be heartbreaking to watch that video.
12: Oh, it's very heartbreaking to see, you know, what my family has built over the years to just in five, six minutes just be destroyed. It's just, it angers you.
7: You, you know? told me your parents and your dad is, I don't know if he's still sitting over there. He's, he's been busy in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, He's what 83 years old. Yeah, my
12: dad's 83. He's been retired, but he still loves to come and, you know, help where he can and just just take care of it. This is this is his this is his baby. I think he loves the the store more than he loves me, so. Yeah.
7: <laughs> I doubt that, but you and this really touched my heart. You told me that your dad cried when he saw the video of that mob just destroying. And you got to think, you know, people steal, you don't justify stealing, but not only did they steal things, they just broke things just to break them.
12: Yeah, it was just they broke our, our scales. We had to get new scales. I mean, our cash registers, I get it. They broke them because of you know there's money inside them. But yeah, they just it was just a mess. They left a bunch of stuff uh, overturned. Some all the meat we had to throw away. We don't know what you know glass was in there or or just people touching it. So yeah, we, we did. Uh, we lost a lot of merchandise.
0: Ted present president of Wirepoints. Ted, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
12: Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy.
0: Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go that's,
12: ahead. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a sad continuation of, of what we saw during the riots across the country. And, you know, this this is, this kind of behavior was, was uh, what do you want to call it, allowed? You know, it's called reparations. It was part symbolic, of the equity,
0: Symbolic taking.
12: Symbolic, yeah. It's, it's just property. The insurance will pay for it. It doesn't really matter. And, you know, it's amazing, but that stuff stuck. You know, it's stuck and it's still sticking today. And it's why are we seeing this kind of behavior three years on from that and why we're seeing that kind of behavior on, on the robberies, on the, on the car thefts. It's all just part of the, the normality now. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know how we make, how we change that new normal, but it's, it's there for now.
3: There's talk well, of putting big barriers in front of every store on Michigan Avenue now and on Oak street and that, you know, uh, Alderman Hopkins wants to use TIF funds for that, but TIF funds are going to migrate shelters. That's a bit of a problem
0: Yeah for schools. Yeah. Yeah, you know, turn every place into Fort Knox uh, at, at a taxpayer expense. You know, the we'll d- have big
3: cement balls in front of every designer store, Dan.
0: Don't, don't prosecute uh, organized retail thieves. <laughs> Just continue. We need more security cameras. We need, uh, you know, uh, stone posts and and barricades and security guards. They're coming. And gosh, none of it seems to stop i wonder I wonder what I wonder what message all of this except prosecuting the offenders is sending to the offenders
12: Well, and it comes back to your question that you asked right before the break was you know it's no wonder you have food deserts out there because you know the more that you increase cost of security cameras and guards and and, and you know, whatever kind of uh, protections you want to put in front of buildings. More expensive it becomes to have a to, uh, to have a business, and it's already tough enough to run a business in places like Englewood or wherever, where you have you know massive crime, low incomes, and uh, a disrespect for for property. So, you know, it's the the more that you fail to prosecute, the more this can be impossible to have businesses. Even even at a a Walmart, right? Even they can't afford to be there. So,
0: I wonder where that uh lack of respect for property comes from, too. Other people's property, other people's things, and um. Just the sort of general barbaric behavior that you see caught on security cameras all the time: a carjacking, an assault, um, throwing a log at somebody's head, walking down the street. Uh, the 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 Prada example, and by the way, the Prada guy, the guy who uh, shot the cop. Yeah. Well, um, uh, what did I read about um, fifteen different? arrests the charge in in 15 different arrests uh, of this guy the charges were dropped I, i'd like okay. to see a little bit more on um the uh, the record in terms of handling what apparently was a habitual criminal but this is again just all more of the same i guess all we can do is tell stories and um
3: hope i hope that I, something I don't, will stick
0: i hope I hope yeah well hope not so yeah hope that something will stick between people's heads in this city
12: well yeah I think that's the question. When, when do the communities, as we call them, right? Uh, when do they start get sufficiently ticked off enough to, to act? You know, it's uh, they, they bear the the brunt. Of course, it's all spread out now more through the city. These crimes, but uh, you know, it's the uh, the low income communities that bear most of the brunt, and, and they should be the ones going going crazy. I mean, you know, you look at the, you know this number of motor vehicle thefts. We almost hit thirty thousand uh, in twenty twenty three. That's up from from nine thousand in twenty nineteen. So. You, like you said, we, people don't care about property anymore. They they think it's theirs. They can just take it, and it's okay. And and again, it, that also happens when you raise the um, felony threshold to a thousand bucks. I mean, you can steal st- stuff that's worth a lot, and not not get busted for it. You know, you'll, you'll get released.
0: Um, something else that people <laughs> can't seem to get people to care about. Um, the um. Inspector General for CPS for the Office of Inspector General just uh, issued a report on CPS, and you know it's the usual: um, some twenty-three million dollars in electronic devices were lost,
3: seventy-seven thousand <laughs> computers.
0: Uh, right, and and Shaken you've up. got you've got examples of uh, kids or adults or both losing them multiple times—three, four, five times. Yeah, I wonder if they're losing them to. Family members and friends. Anyway, I'm not, you know, the money is the money is the money. Nobody cares. I mean, we could spend spend $100,000 per kid. It wouldn't change anything in CPS, and it wouldn't change anybody's concern about the dollars and cents. Uh, This is the one that still um, baffles me. Uh, The um, sexual allegations unit uh, inside CPS. Uh, since its inception in 2018, they've opened 2,188 cases. Um, they've uh, substantiated policy violations in 363 investigations. Uh, of the 446 complaints submitted to the uh, sexual abuse, sexual allegations unit, that is, uh, two-thirds were in the non-sexual category. A third alleged sexual abuse, physical contact, and sexual communications or grooming. Well, a third of 100 or a third of 446 is like 147.
3: That's a big number.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, this—it's um, just a lot. I mean, it's—I know it's a small percentage, but it was a small percentage for the Catholic Church too, and there was um, uh, proper outrage that anything that systemic was occurring. And yet here, uh, the, um, also, the OIG has recommended CPS-improved vendor and volunteer training surrounding its sexual misconduct policies. Yeah. Um, because uh, 31 vendor employees and volunteers were found to have engaged in some sort of sexual misconduct, ranging from sexual comments directed at students to actual sexual abuse. So OIG's got some recommendations about how they can tighten that up a little bit, but I don't know. Again, small percentage, but a small percentage of a big number talking about the employees and, and vendor employees and CPS is still a big problem. Hundreds of cases of sexual abuse um, alleged and substantiated by this unit within the district. And um, other than a summary of the report and a couple of outlets, nothing. You know, Dan,
12: this is one of the, the biggest untold stories, I think, in Illinois in Chicago. Uh, and I, I spent a good bit of time on this a few months ago, but uh, it's it's hard to get all the data that you want because, well, you just can't get it. Um, but I looked at this, and if you look at the the Archdiocese of Chicago over the last you know last couple decades, or last whatever, let's call it the last decade, the uh, the allegations are, are a handful, maybe a handful, even less than a handful. And then you look at the CPS and what, what goes on there. And remember, we're looking at stuff that's reported. God knows what's not reported anymore. And I think I think CPS has got to be um, something far worse than what you've seen in the churches. But uh, we you know we we can't get there. We can't figure that out. Uh, but it needs to be exposed more and more. And you know there's been some work done on that. But uh, I think I think that the numbers are are are, are pretty large, uh, even if like you say it's a small percentage. And and there's much more than uh, meets the eye here. We got to We got to dig into this more.
0: Where are all those uh, storefront preachers and community activists that show up for? Uh, peace marches and uh, And to to give a quote To ABC7 About the shooting de jour Where are they with respect to the uh, The extent that kids In CPS are being sexually exploited I mean I just I, This is a question I don't think it has an answer But it's just it's another thing where I can't understand parents are not Communicating with other parents Communicating with other teachers and administrators Communicating with people that like to preen before the cameras and address this in a meaningful way. Well, but no, nobody except the inspector general seems particularly motivated.
3: Well, they won't tell parents who these teachers are either. Is there somebody in our school that we should be aware of? And they won't say a word because they're protecting that.
12: Person. Oh, we're, we're back to protecting. We're, no, it's true. Mean, we're back to true. protecting the unions yes. and uh, yeah. yeah. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's that's part of it for sure. All right, Ted, uh, let's
3: move over to Mr. Pritzker because his latest emergency disaster proclamation, first it was COVID. What did we have, uh, two years straight of emergency proclamations, and now we have an emergency proclamation 18 times in a row for immigrants or, yeah, illegal immigration.
12: Yeah, it's fantastic. So here we go again, right? Uh, here you've got Governor Pritzker parroting a lot of what uh, you know, President Biden says about the lack of democracy, the loss of democracy. And here he goes again with uh, with an you know, emergency declaration, the 18th, like you said, in a row, on the immigrants. And it's for a, a, a crisis that he's helping create, right? He's saying, look, you know, I'm going to give Medicaid to all these immigrants. I'm going to give uh, legal services, job readiness support, rent, you know, food, health screenings, all that. He's, he's It's a sanctuary state and a sanctuary city. They're providing all these services. And then... You know, when he's offering all that stuff for free, he says, oh, oh, we, we have a crisis now. So uh, I better better you know, implement emergency powers, uh, be be the uh, autocrat that I need to be to, to manage this crisis. So it's uh, hypocrisy all the way. And uh, unfortunately, he's going to get away with it again because he was never held to account for the first time he did this during COVID.
0: Right. Certainly the General Assembly is not going to bother. Go ahead, uh, governor, spend whatever you got to spend to make sure that, you know, uh, we continue to, um, increase our constituency, I suppose on the Medicaid piece, healthcare for migrants. I've seen some numbers that, um, that cost is approaching a billion dollars. Have you seen that?
12: Yeah, well, well, we, we know that we know that it was 500 that they, they budgeted. Then they came out and said that, Oh, we're going to be at 800. Um, and, and given the massive numbers that are coming in and, you know, we're, we're talking about not just the, um, Uh, the illegal immigrants that we know about, but all the others that come through. I mean, you know, you got to You got to assume that we're going to be way over a billion.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, it's fine in the suburbs uh, because as uh, the mayor of Western Springs, Heidi Rudolph says, welcome to Western Springs. Now get your ass on the train to Chicago and the same things going on in in all those suburbs. So everything's fine. As long as Chicago, it's all sent to Chicago. We'll we'll send the cash to Chicago because we don't care about that either. And uh, you know, carry on.
12: Yeah, I loved uh, I loved Will Met. You know, Will Met uh, had five buses come in, and they they, they said, "Well, we're not going to make any statements, or we're not going to change our policy. We're 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 going to help out." And, and of course, they just put them right on the metro or the uh, whatever CTA to go go back downtown.
3: And some people dropped off bags of groceries. I saw oh, oh. so valiant. I mean, way to take time out of your day to help. That's the less
0: fortunate. That is, you know, you I can always you count people. on always count on those Will to be their brother's keeper. Get your ass you on that train. <laughs> Ted Dabrowski, president WirePoints, WirePoints.org, all things Illinois policy-related. Thanks, Ted.
12: Thank you, guys.
3: Thank you, and he joined us on our turnkey.pro Answer line.
1: It's news, opinion, insight. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. <laughs> This is Chicago's morning answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM 560. The answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. In advance of uh, the impeachment hearing on uh, Ali Mayorkas, he's your Secretary of Homeland Security. He made his way down to Eagle Pass, Texas, following in the footsteps of uh, House Speaker Mike Johnson and that uh, GOP congressional delegation that went last week. And he addressed straight away this uh, silly notion that some people have that. DHS is not enforcing federal immigration laws. I don't know where people get this, says Ali Mayorkas.
2: Some have accused DHS of not enforcing our nation's laws. This could not be further from the truth. Having begun my public service career as a federal prosecutor for 12 years, ultimately serving as a United States attorney, there is nothing I take more seriously than our responsibility to uphold the law, and the men and women of DHS are working around the clock to do so. We are doing everything we can within a broken system to incentivize non-citizens to use lawful pathways, to impose consequences on those who do not, and to reduce irregular migration.
0: Hmm. Irregular migration, please uh, add that to your Woke to English Dictionary, irregular migration means illegal immigration.
3: Right. Or, as I say, an invasion. Yes.
0: Yeah. Irregular migration. Mm. I like that. Um, That's uh, very sweet sounding. Mm. Interestingly, uh, so you see what Mayorkas did there. First of all, he hides behind the men and women of Border Patrol. To criticize me is to criticize them. I stand with them, using them as political shields. Yeah. For the course. And um, the uh, issue of enforcing the law, he talked about uh, the record setting number of people they've turned away at the border and so on and so forth, though he doesn't really address the underlying why is there a record setting number of people at the border? Hmm. Anyway, um, despite all that, Bill Malugin over at Fox News reporting the following Per three Border Patrol sources who were in the room. While privately meeting with agents in Eagle Pass, and uh, so they're in this room, Mayorkas admitted to them that the current release rate for migrants caught crossing the border illegally is above 85%. (laughs) So, um, yeah, where do people get this idea that Mayorkas and this administration is not serious about uh, 12 million encounters and maybe 2 million million a number they won't even discuss. Where do they get the fact that, where do they get this notion, the law isn't being enforced? For more on this topic, we're uh, pleased to be joined by Dan Henninger, because uh, this topic will certainly inform some votes on Monday, the Iowa caucus. Dan Henninger is the deputy editor of the Wall Street Journal's editorial page, of course. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Appreciate it.
14: Good to be with you, Dan.
0: So, um, you know, Mayorkas's fate is part of the conversation. This, again, all against the, uh, the backdrop of a potential spending deal between House Republicans and Senate Democrats and Senate Republicans, for that matter. Um, what's the what's the, what do you think the sensible play here as is as, as Biden is clearly flailing as a result of the lawlessness at the border?
14: Well, uh, it's a sensible play, I think, Dan, and this would be from uh, Joe Biden's point of view, would be in this supplemental bill, of course, that they're working on uh, over funding for Ukraine, Israel, and that includes uh, restored enforcement at the border, uh, which would slow down the number of people coming across the border. I think that's something Joe Biden should sign on to for sure. Our Republicans are pushing for it. I don't think they're going to get House uh, Bill 42 or number two uh, to, uh, into that, but he should really sign on to something like this because his numbers on immigration are so terrible, Dan. Uh, and we know that it's creating problems for him across the Democratic Party generally. No one needs to be told what's going on in Chicago uh, or here in New York City. Or in places like Denver, it's a big political problem for Joe Biden. The flip side of that is represented by Secretary Mayorkas. Uh, There are many parts of the Democratic Party that are simply okay with all of these people flowing illegally across the border. And incidentally, I've listened pretty closely to your Mayor Johnson and Mayor Johnson in Denver and they don't particularly complain about the people coming across the border. Their problem is that there isn't enough federal funding to help
0: disperse
14: exactly. these people. Exactly.
0: Right? Yep.
14: So Joe Biden is on the one hand worried about his left flank that he might annoy them if he closed, shut down uh, the border, or at least tighten the border. But more generally, I think with the general voting population, he'd do himself a favor if he got this off the table. Um, but. So far, you guys are as well as aware as I am, Biden seems to keep playing to his left, terrified that they're going to desert him in the election in November.
0: Well, so what, what do Republicans have to have, in your view, in order to cut any sort of deal on funding? Because obviously there's going to be uh, a contingent of the House Republican caucus that's uh, in the Tom Homan camp and uh, wants to shut down the government until policy changes, significant policy changes like Remain. Uh, Like uh, uh, asylum only, asylum applications only if you uh, 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 enter at a port, at a designated port of entry and so forth. Um, Those are have to haves in order for them to sign on to any spending deal.
14: I think the biggest thing they need to have and the one thing they should insist on is uh, a rollback of what's known as humanitarian parole, right? Humanitarian rule is uh, a euphemism for catch and release. That's what's going on. You come to the these people, come to the border. They make like a generalized claim of persecution and they're let go and sent into the country. Uh, if that were reversed, if you simply could not show up and say, I have a problem and uh, get released and say, I'll come back, you know, four or five years later for an asylum claim. I think that would significantly slow down the flow of people coming across the border. I mean, I saw a report on CNN last night, Dan, about the extraordinary number of people coming from China. Yeah. yeah. They're paying $20,000 to get on planes to Mm -hmm. fly into South America and literally sign up with people putting them up in Airbnbs and people in places like Honduras. And then uh, they get accompanied up to the border. And for paying even a little more money, they can get a taxi cab to drive them across the border it's from China. And people are well, coming now from Africa.
3: It's thirty-one thousand Chinese in twenty twenty-three, and most of the most of them are young men, and that causes yes. concern for people.
14: And they look very look pretty well educated to me as well. Uh, the border is open, and anybody who is upset about their lot anywhere in the world. Uh, such as in northern Africa, because they've shut down some of the passageways into Europe. They're now rerouting themselves to the southern border of the United States. Uh, and whatever one's views of immigration and my views of immigration are pretty positive, at least legal immigration, uh, it is clearly falling apart for Joe Biden. And the uh, question and- is whether he has the strength to uh, address it.
0: Well, clearly, uh, the Mexican president, AMLO, uh, believes he doesn't because the proposal that he made, uh, $20 billion for Latin America and the sanctions against Cuba, Venezuela, and uh, 10,000, uh, excuse me, 10 million, uh, 10 million give uh, essentially legal status and, and a right to work to 10 million uh, Latinos that are currently residing in America without those things. And that's for some sort of vague promise of helping old Joe in D.C. I mean, that is that 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 is really telling offer by AMLO, it seems to me, what he thinks, uh, where he thinks Joe Biden is on this.
14: We agree, Dan. I thought that was just bad faith on AMLO's part, virtually amounting to attempting to blackmail the president of the United States. I mean, one of the most fantastic things he said in that negotiation is that he wants the U.S. as part of any agreement by him to open normalization uh, negotiations with Cuba. I mean, you just have to stand back and say, what is he talking about? Mm -hmm. Normalization with Uh, Cuba—that has nothing to do with what's going on at the southern border. Yeah, Uh, but but Uh, but but doesn't it has its own agenda?
0: Well, but doesn't it doesn't it also speak to uh, AMLO thinks uh, incredibly AMLO thinks he has Biden over a barrel when America should have Mexico over a barrel on this?
14: Yeah, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, the the cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars uh, smuggling these people in the United States. That money in some way flows back into the Mexican economy. Uh, So uh, the United States is simply going to have to get tougher with Mexico, and one of the ways to do that is to uh, reinstate the Remain in Mexico policy. Um, The problem with that policy, Dan, is that was an order that Donald Trump issued, and the problem with executive orders that I wrote last week is they're reversible. Joe Biden reversed many of Trump's orders uh, in the first couple weeks of his presidency. And what we're eventually going to need is a piece of legislation out of Congress to give that uh, policy like that uh, stronger teeth.
3: Well, do you think Biden's going to negotiate with the president of Mexico? I mean, he wants $20 billion, to money to go to Latin America, Caribbean countries. He wants grant work visas to 10 million Hispanics yeah. who've worked in the U.S. for at least 10 years. And then, you know, end sanctions against Venezuela and blockage of Cuba.
14: No, I don't think he's going to negotiate with them. Uh, I mean, he might well send orcas down. We could obviously, Secretary orcas isn't going to negotiate anything like that. But this is the sort of, This is one thing to get onto another subject. This is one of the problems of having a president as weakened uh, as Joe Biden is. The country's foreign affairs cannot solely be run by the Secretary of State. You need a strong president to be able to. Deal with an Amlo or with Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin and the rest of the world's leaders, and I watched Joe Biden give that speech in Charleston yesterday at the black church, and it was a terrible performance. Halting, muddled, uh, slurring his words—it uh, simply wasn't impressive. And the idea that that guy is going to negotiate a serious uh, border agreement with the president of Mexico is inconceivable
0: what about the substance of what he had to say in south carolina sort of building off what he said in valley forge on friday and the characterization essentially that uh, you know january 6th of course we've heard this before that uh, an attempt to overthrow the country overthrow the government and uh, seize control of uh, and ins- install a maga dictatorship and it came within an inch of happening and then then he transitioned says and th- that same Mob, January six mob, which is all Trump voters. There, they went from January six to banning books and doing all these other horrible, preventing people from voting and doing all these other horrible things too. I mean, do you think that sort of uh, scapegoating and that sort of um, a creative storytelling is going to uh, claw Biden back into this race?
14: Uh, obviously that's what they think. Uh, they're not uh, at this point, they're not going to run on their record. I think that the, the risk he's running there, Dan, in pushing that argument so far is that it ends up not being just about Trump and also not just about the Trumpians, the, the tightest supporters of Donald Trump. He runs the risk that people on the outer perimeter of that who might be say, sympathetic to Trump's policies when he was president, they begin to think he's talking about them as well, that he's insulting them and dragging them into this uh, indictment of uh, Donald Trump. And so I think Biden does run the risk here of uh, overstating this case against Trump. But, uh, boy, that Valley Forge speech, named Trump 44 times, clearly this is, uh, uh, exhibit a and the Trump re-election campaign. And,
0: if Trump wins, um, if, uh, Trump wins the Iowa caucus on Monday by, you know, something approximating where the polls uh, had it going into Christmas, you know, 30 points, 25 points, 30 points. Um, I mean, is there, is the race over?
14: Um, we'll have to wait, I think for New Hampshire, at least see whether the race is over. It kind of looks effectively over. Um, you know trump is in the news he's going to be in the news today with this appearance before the appeals court in washington over his uh, immunity claim and it just kind of sucks the oxygen out of the republican primaries this is what people are reading and thinking about and uh i think it probably is going to add up to um a trump victory in these in these early primaries but you know, we've been talking about polls all this time, Dan. we got to see some real voters show up and express their opinion. So I'm I'm willing to wait at least through New Hampshire to see what, uh, which way the wind is blowing with Republican voters.
0: He is Dan Henninger, deputy editor of the Wall Street Journal's editorial page. Dan, thank you as always. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you guys.
3: Thank you. And he joined us on our Pro answer line.
1: The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer.
0: Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. All hail Michigan, I guess. I uh, it's
3: hard, but it makes a Big Ten look good.
0: Michigan uh, dominating Washington yesterday and winning a national title, first since 1997 for the Wolverines. And of course, as uh, is well known now, J.J. J. McCarthy hails from LaGrange. He was at Nazareth High School before the COVID lockdowns. The COVID lockdown sent J.J. J. McCarthy to IMG in Bradenton, Florida, because he wanted to play football in high school and continue on to play football in college at the University of Michigan. So, he left illinois as other some athletes that were fortunate were able to do to play sports in other states we I remember we talked to uh, father
3: remember whose son father played, moved
0: in, moved indiana yep
3: moved him in and he not, then he went on to play at the collegiate level as well so a lot of families made sacrifices so that their kids could have a future in sports
0: yeah and some and obviously a lot were unable to but um yes. yeah the the jj mccarthy really drives it home to remind people exactly uh what happened uh, for the better part of two years at whose hands it happened and um you know what was what was lost based on just uh looking at what jj mccarthy gained
3: i mean we didn't have a 2020 fall season it got pushed back to 2021 remember i'm going to remind people and you normally have six or seven football games a year well they only were able to schedule Three or four, but then somebody, in, undoubtedly, because you have a team that large, would have COVID, and they shut down the programs, so the games weren't rescheduled, there was no CPS playoffs, there were no state playoffs, because God forbid, if something happened outside, I mean, the whole system was so messed up, And when you look at the map of all the states around us and all the states around them, they all had fall sports in 2020, full seasons, playoffs, city playoffs, state playoffs. It's sick.
0: Well, and it still um, makes
3: me mad what we did to our children.
0: That's uh, that's that's what we did. I'll tell you something else about that game last night too. Um, we should thank Michigan for exposing Michael Pennock, who I had hype hopes for. Actually, um, I had Washington last night. Um, oh, you did, and he was, and I mean, it's such a great story too. This guy, he's had like three yeah. three would be career ending injuries, and he kept coming back, uh, moving from Indiana to Washington, and and he he looked so good all year. But He's he didn't look good last night. So now uh, keep Justin Fields. Uh, I don't trust Caleb Williams. Uh, trade that number one pick for more first round picks and get some linemen and receivers. Okay, so that. Thank you, Michael Penix.
3: Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey 5600 turnkey.pro. Answer line 64636. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Wasn't it the five point spread? But the game uh, was, what, 34? Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What was the final score, Dave? 34 How much money 13. Did
0: you lose? Uh, you know, all the proceeds go yes. to charity. Oh, right. Uh, so. They're going to fix
3: the roads and fund the schools. But here, real quick, here's J.J. McCarthy celebrating, giving a shout out to his hometown, LaGrange Park, Illinois.
10: You have visualized this moment every single day for the last year. How does reality compare? It's glorious. That's all I can say.
11: I, you know, I just love my teammates so much. I love my coaches. It, it's bittersweet because this is going to be the last time we get to play together. I love those guys so much. It's just such a special group. And no better
4: way to end it. No better way.
10: You had a big moment in this game. Your back's against the wall in the fourth quarter. And you pull off the longest run of your season. How did you keep that drive alive and gain the distance to win?
11: Um, you know, just... All film study. You know, they just give it up on third downs, and I had to take advantage of them at some time. And, you know, offensive line did a great job of holding up so they couldn't shed on their blocks, and, you know, the rest was history.
10: Coach has called you the greatest college quarterback to ever play at Michigan. What do you think you are?
11: I think I'm JJ McCarthy, kid from McGrange Park, Illinois, that's just trying to be the best he could possibly be every day. That's all I think of myself as. How
10: about you add national champion to that?
0: Say that one time.
10: National champ? Yeah, we'll
5: take that. That's for <laughs> sure. Thank you, so Thank
0: you so much. Take that, Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? Uh, take that, Jim Harbaugh. Take that, Elvis Gerbach.
3: Is he the greatest quarterback of, at Michigan of all time? I don't know. I don't mm. study Michigan quarterbacks. I went to Iowa. Uh, maybe. Like Chuck Hartley f- or Chuck Long?
0: Uh, Chuck, yeah, right. Well, right. But, yeah, because I'm but, uh, f- I don't know. 15 and 0. 0. It's, I mean, there's a case to be made at the collegiate level, you know. Um, Obviously, Brady at the pro level is a different story. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you know, nice kid. I'm happy for him. He's, uh, he's got his high school girlfriend or the girlfriend he met in high school is there, yeah. you know, and the whole thing. It's all very, very uh, Norman Rockwellian uh, yesterday. So even though it cost me a few shekels, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I can't
3: but, believe he didn't. I mean, because he went to he originally went to the high school that your mother graduated from. Correct. N- mm-hmm. What is it, Nazarene? Nazareth. Speak, Nazar- speak Catholic for me, Dan. Yeah, Nazareth. Nazareth.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I just – I did want to talk a little bit about COVID on this yes. because um, I just wanted to alert people that um uh, your betters uh, over at the NPR Times, oh, no. state-funded, state-run media. Um They picked up on what happened in St. Louis, which is a a whole other story. This is great. This is awesome. At the end of last week. But here's the uh, editorial from the uh, Reds over at the uh, NPR Times. No expiration date on the importance of masking up. Uh, Unfortunately, there will never be a shortage of unmasked crusaders. (laughs) they're we're, the unmasked the of the Crusaders. Sure. So <laughs> Championed by the many Americans who would rather get others sick than take a simple measure oh to God. keep them safe. They will never stop r- repeating this. There's nothing you can do to make them stop repeating things <laughs> that aren't true. No one wants to relive 2020. And it's clear the U.S. will never emulate the Asian countries whose citizens have been wearing masks for decades, whether to keep oh from breathing in pollution or sneezing on strangers. But cases of COVID, influenza... RSV rise here as they rise here and across the country. It's not a big ask. Mask up when possible. Come on.
3: Three one two six four two five six zero zero Turnkey Pro Answer Line six four six three six. Type in DA, then a quick comment. Masks one more time don't work. for the Masks one more
0: work. one more time for the good of the order. Mask up when possible. Hey, Dan, is it just it's for two weeks? Possible?
3: Just, is, are they asking just for two weeks?
0: It's always possible. No, 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 no. Just to
3: stop the spread just for a few weeks. Do your part, Dan. Step up.
0: John Segretti, who's a uh, epidemiologist with Rush Medical Center, said people seem to think COVID is gone and it's not. No, I, I don't think people think COVID is gone. I don't think people think the flu is gone. I don't think people think RSV is gone. I think they have most people, not all. The covidians have not. But I think most people have just calibrated the risk. You know, one of the things that all the professionals that were part of the covidian mob refused to do themselves or give quarter to anybody else who did to rationally. Calculate the risks and respond proportionate to the risks. Right. That's what people are doing. Wearing a mask probably won't become mandatory in most public spaces anytime soon. Doesn't mean we shouldn't keep one handy. Don't let masking up slip away completely. Hmm. <laughs> just, just to do it, do it to keep alive the memories of when we all were forced to wear masks for no particular reason. Hey, throw on a mask. It doesn't do any. I mean, they're almost saying it doesn't do anything. Ma- so mask here, mask. Don't mask there. Mask when it's possible. It's always possible. When should you mask? When should you not? They don't say. No. Because they know.
3: Hospitals here have mask mandates now.
0: They're just, you're supposed to, you got to keep up appearances. You got to justify the support. Uh, you got to justify uh, the what the Covidians imposed to their supporters. And again, of course, you know, demonize anybody who would offer Neri uh, a question as... COVID deniers. Ugh. There's that word again, deniers.
3: I heard someone on Sunday, I have half my congregation's now masked up again. It's so frustrating to say, well, masks didn't, we ready for this? This is their line of argument. Masks didn't work because not everybody was
0: wearing them. Exactly. Of course. Isn't no. that great? It's, it's the, so, it's, same thing so with the Chicago. Vac- same thing with the vaccines. Oh, yeah. They didn't work because not everybody got one. Okay. Sure. Uh, go with it.
3: But I love on Friday. Whatever you come up with. That St. Louis health director decided to reimpose mask mandates.
0: So this, yeah, this St. Louis <laughs> health director. This is awesome. Her name is St. Matafaz Matafazza Lachawayo Davis.
3: And this I, is why you said her name and not me.
0: It's funny too. It's as interesting because I had my first car out of college was a Matafazza nine two nine.
3: I had La for dinner last night.
0: It had uh, it had about uh, 25,000 miles on it. I really liked it. Uh, the Mata Fazda, I think it was a 93
3: V6 engine. Yeah, I remember it well. Mata
0: Fazda. No, it was a V8. Oh, I think it was a V8. It was a V8 back then. But then they discontinued that Mata Fasda 929. <laughs> that was too bad. So, what did uh, Mata Fazda r- 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 say? Significant increases in COVID 19 RSV, uh, mask mandate.
3: <laughs> Starting January fifth, she gave a specific day.
0: She, but then he, here's the backstory. Some, somebody uh, tweeted out the backstory. This is really good. The, the threat is better than the the news coverage, of course. St. Louis media, right? What's the difference? Chicago media, DC media, it's all the same. Um, so she, she on Thursday, she just issues this citywide mask mandate <laughs> by herself. I mean, she, she doesn't like she consult, consult. She on the mayor. No. Okay, so she does this. This is great. Um, No warning. Mayor, regional heads of the hospital, um, nobody knew. It was so irregular, some people thought that the order was a prank, but it was real. Really? She said, uh, Monofaz929, said that uh, her reason for issuing the mandate was to reduce the strain on the hospital system, which she said was foundering under a surge of respiratory illness. So it wasn't just COVID only, but to flu and RSV as well. She said case increases of 50 to 150 percent above the five year average, which, of course, freaked people out. I'm
3: freaked out. I don't even live there.
0: But then people who are competent notice something. Um, And this is supposed to be an infectious disease physician and expert. Uh, the uh, hospitals made a statement, we're not overwhelmed. This, so far, it's a normal winter. Oh my God. She hadn't bothered to talk to them. She simply used the shortage of ICU beds, copy, paste from three years ago. Uh, and No, she didn't. And, and in her analysis, the five-year average includes an anomaly, the winter of 2020-21, lowest for flu in the modern history of records. Every normal year will be above the five-year average until it excretes that anomaly. And that mistake could have been avoided, too, if she had bumped up this uh, rash action against anybody. But she didn't. So. um, (laughs) So. So she just avoided talking to anybody. She did this. Um, It was based on a completely fallacious analysis. So the mayor rescinded it. They let her save face by issuing an update that strongly recommends the masking. I mean, you know, the most important thing is to protect the uh, legitimacy of your city public health director, right? Oh my God. I mean, I would this you'll never is... be
3: able to trust her ever again. She should lose her job for that.
0: This is this that's, is what that's
3: fear mongering, okay, Dan?
0: Well, it's it's a combination of being an uh, an ideologue and a and an incompetent. It's a terrible combination. We got a lot of them. Uh, Mary Kay, Western
6: Springs, you're in Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, good morning, gosh. Uh, St. Louis story, that's uh, bad. Anyway, Nazareth um, Academy has a, a great reputation for having the best sports coaching staff out here in the Western Suburbs. Did you know that, Dan, that people send their kids to Nazareth who are good athletes to give them a better chance to get into um, you know, good college scholarships? Anyway, there was another kid who did graduate from LP um, who Dur- he, during the lockdowns, he had to go down to um, train with the Florida Maryland because he couldn't train up here. The rules were what they were. You know, there was no baseball up here. And that kid's name is Michael Walsh. He ended up going to Yale, and he is in the MLB. I just think the interesting stories of how these kids, what they had to do to um, become successful Athletes that made it all the way. And I think it's wonderful that this, these kids did it, you know, and interesting stories, you know, for um, for the future. You know? Well, JJ yeah. McCarthy, cool. I mean, it, it was a big call, family Mary
3: decision, Kay. and he was depressed when he first got there because he didn't, you think he didn't want to leave his team. He didn't want to leave his coach.
0: Yeah, and he does the and meditations now, over. but, and yeah. now he does the meditations on the field. That was his way of, you know, coping, coping. Yeah. when he was depressed. Well, fine. All right.
3: I mean, he still got to do what he loved, but I mean, at that age, that's a that's a big change.
0: And uh, now he's a national champion. Good for him, Mister Big Shot. Now, Fine.
3: Hey, he seems humble.
0: No, he for does. For now, he yes, does. No, he should he be. does. Yeah, he will. Uh, Bob in Paloma, Michigan. Good morning. Thank
10: you for taking my call. Now, since they've uh, decided that CO two is a pollutant. Why would we want to put a mask on our face and breathe more
0: of that pollutant? Thanks for the call. Thanks. Bob, Dan and Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Listen to Dan
1: and Amy on your smartphone. Download the AM560 mobile app today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.
0: Hey, did you see this? What? just Anita Padilla. Yeah, I know. I need a Padilla. Did it? Yes, she's, she's leaving. leaving. She's uh, announced she's leaving the state of Illinois to join the fastest-growing news outlet in Florida, Florida's Voice. It's time we start amplifying conservative voices. Hooray for Anita Padilla! Congratulations.
3: Love her. We can get her on the show anytime you want. Just let me know.
0: Well, another uh, installment of uh, Illinois' loss is Florida's gain.
1: The stories you need to know to start your day. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM 560. The Answer.